1: Thank you so much for joining in today on Adventures in God. I'm your host, Jared Lasky of Fireborn Ministries, and I'm so excited to be having a conversation with my friend, Joseph Perry. He's been a pastor, and he's currently a prophet to the nations and an author with resources that I'm sure will bless you. On this episode, we're going to be discussing about how he was called into the prophetic office and also about the fivefold ministry. This is something that you don't want to miss. He's going to be sharing about his adventure in God.
0: Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the Great Commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit-Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the scripture, but also what he is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-empowered journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com. I came
2: out of a Bible study. Uh, that i back uh, went to back in the 90s and i guess the core value that i came out of that school with was that everything comes out of our relationship with god and i knew that early on but it's interesting that you know you wanted to talk about this because just in the last few weeks the lord's been kind of uh, tapping me in the shoulder telling me i need to start paying attention to that because he's just been telling me i really need to give heed to his presence in my life and to that relationship that if everything is supposed to come out of our relationship with god then we need to give special heat to that. And and some of that's the presence of God. Some of that is just, it's making sure that we're walking in his ways. And, you know, because uh, we can't, we don't want to put off this idea of the presence of God as something that's only happening when we're praying and, and spending quiet times or fasting or doing something that seems spiritual. But just that we're walking in his ways in everything that we're doing while we're working a relationship with our spouse or, you know, our kids or friends, uh, just everything that we're doing, it's all going to come out of that. And so we really need to give heed to that. And if we're not, you know, I heard uh, I heard a minister say uh, probably 15, 20 years, I guess about 20 years ago that uh, he said, I can operate for about two weeks on, you know, without giving God time. You know, I can go on this kind of this anointing, this gift that I have, but after about two weeks, it completely wears off. I've got nothing left. And, and you can tell when you're not operating out of your relationship with God because everything gets hard it feels stale if you get tired. You get emotionally worn out very quickly. Uh, And so those are signs to really watch out for because, you know, we can say we value the presence of God, but if we're going to start operating out of the natural and
1: our natural strength, we'll we'll find out real quick that we don't have what it takes without Him. I appreciate that you mentioned it's also about your relationship with your spouse and your kids, being mindful of His presence even while you're working. Years ago, I was from a Bible college as well, and we used to think about how much time would you spend in the prayer closet is what matters but at the same time God is always with us and he never leaves us nor forsakes us and we're mindful of him throughout the course of the day but when you're in the presence of God how does he communicate with you
2: I wouldn't say it's anything special outside of uh, other people, but uh, and I find that people are a lot more prophetic once they realize, they're more prophetic than they thought they were when they realize how God speaks. Like God's been talking to them all along. Uh, for me, when I'm praying, the thing that I'm looking for, I mean, I'm looking for the presence of God, and that always manifests for me in peace. Um, I always feel intense peace, and, and peace is one of those things that I think we don't really understand because peace isn't the absence of stress and strife, it's the pre- presence of God. It's it's something present and tangible, and you can feel it. Uh, that's why it's the God of peace that can crush Satan, you know? So, I think when I'm praying, uh, the way he's talking to me is, I tend to sense his peace and his presence, and even when I'm Talking with him and I'm asking him questions and I'm looking for answers. Sometimes I'll get those answers, I'll feel peace on a certain thing. That for me, that peace is the green light whether I need to move forward or not. Uh, so that helps a lot. Sometimes, you know, I'm praying and I get, and this is either when I'm praying personally or whether I'm, you know, in front of other people and I'm trying to hear God to give them the word uh, from Him. Uh, I'll get pictures, uh, visions, usually internal visions, uh, where you either see a still picture or you see moving pictures, uh, like a like a movie screen or something. Uh, usually inter- uh, internal, and sometimes they can be really fleeting. And uh, and it's interesting. So it's just, it's like it, I wouldn't even say that it's in your mind. You might could say it's in your imagination in some ways, but it's more like God's talking to me in my spirit. So in my spirit, I'm kind of like seeing a picture or i am i might hear a word or a phrase sometimes i hear song lyrics uh one time i heard uh song lyrics to the theme song to and shirley uh and, and i said lord what is that and uh, i said is that you and uh and and then he told me why he said that to me and uh, for this person and so and and so anytime we have to hear God, we always want to, you know, say, Lord, what does that mean? What are you saying through that? Those are those are some of the core ways, but what I find is valuable in prayer is that you just spend that time there, whether you feel like you're hearing God or receiving something or feeling his presence or not, you have to just spend that time there and not get discouraged because God's working the whole time. And usually what happens is at the right time, but later on in the day, while you're working or you're driving, you're you're in the middle of a conversation with Somebody, God speaks to you, and the answer that you were praying about comes, and, uh, and you just get a witness in your spirit, and you know that you know that you know that this is the answer, and uh, so that's you know that's kind of
1: uh, some of the basic ways that He talks to me. Well, that's exciting. And you'd mentioned that sometimes these things uh, are fleeting. And so, say, if you're doing ministry, you're preaching, or you know that the Holy Spirit is moving on you to prophesy, how does that work to you to grab a hold of that fleeting thing, whether it's an image or a thought? How did you learn how to even grab a hold of that thing, knowing that it's from the Lord?
2: Well, a lot of times, what happens is when something fleeting comes, it's like there's a picture that flashes in your mind or your spirit, or whatever you want to call it. When that happens, the first thing I start to think about is um, I'll say, "Lord, is that you?" And I'll and I'll take a second to consider, was I thinking about this or talking about this? And especially when I know that it came out of nowhere, like there was, there's nothing. It's not, you know, related to anything I was in the middle of saying or doing or thinking about. I wasn't, I didn't hear somebody say something on television, nothing. It just comes out of nowhere. I know that it's not my thought, it's the Lord's thought. Uh, and of course, you know, we know it's the Lord's thought because we have criteria. Uh, the Bible gives us criteria. Whatever edifies, you know, prophecy edifies, builds up, it exhorts, it comforts. So if it's not doing one of those three things, then it's not something that we want to prophesy over somebody, you know, because we're, prophecy is a, is a gift that Paul tells us everyone uh, needs to go after this one. Uh, 1 Corinthians fourteen one says, pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And the reason is because it builds people up. The fivefold leaders in the church are called to equip the saints to build each other up to the building of the body of Christ. So yeah, so that's what we're going for with that.
1: That's awesome. And I appreciate you mentioning the fivefold ministry because I know that you're currently working on a book or a resource about the fivefold ministry. Yeah. And can you share what God has laid on your heart about the fivefold ministry and 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 even what he's doing in our time through that as I believe there's a restoration of the fivefold uh, I believe the prophet has been restored within the last 30 or 40 years I believe the apostolic is in the process of being restored but would you mind sharing about your resource and what God is showing you about the fivefold ministry? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh
2: so I am writing a book on the fivefold. I've been working on it for a while now. I I don't think I've said anything more than, more than this topic uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, as I just haven't been able to get away from it, no matter what. And uh, I think you're right in that the Lord is obviously restoring the fivefold. But and it's interesting, I've been around, you know, Christians from a lot of different denominations. And so this is more difficult for some of them to grasp than others, uh, just because of their theological backgrounds. But prophets have been restored, uh, I'd say, largely. Back to the church, and I think you're right that apostles are being restored. But what we're looking for is not just to have all five. Like 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 Ephesians four says that it's going to take all five to equip the saints for the work of service and to mature them into the full measure of Christ's maturity. And it says that uh, it's not just a matter of having all five again. It's that I believe that um, apostles. Uh, the last to be restored are the ones that are holding uh, the key that is going to unlock a supernatural grace on the other four that they've not been able to operate in uh, for a very long time uh, because you know so it's not just that you know it's not like pastors are 20 percent of what matures the body and evangelists are 20 percent and it's not that apostles are more than any of the others it But there's a priority to it. And so here's what I'm saying. Anytime you want to put a puzzle together, what's the first thing you do? You reach over and you grab the puzzle box so that you can look at the picture of the puzzle of the the finished product. What are we building? What is the framework here that all the pieces go in? Well, apostles are the ones that provide that framework or that whole picture, the blueprint for the body of Christ. That's why Paul was a wise master builder. He was like an architect, and he could see the whole finished product, which is Christ. And so so apostles bring this to the church. The problem is that we've been operating without this whole picture. For a very long time. And, and we know it's about Jesus. and Everyone will say that, but, but there's a certain way of looking at, at the way Christ is building the church. Um that Apostles and Prophets, Ephesians 2.20 says they are the foundation of the church with Christ as the cornerstone. So Christ is the foundation for our faith, but Apostles and Prophets are the foundation of the church. So when we look at this we've got what we need to understand is that each of the fivefold has a different lens that they look at everything through the way they look at the bible missions work the chief goals of the church every each one of the fivefold has a different lens and they're all important but in the right order and so if we've got things out of order and so for instance right now what we have is uh, the church has an evangelist value system the value system of the evangelist says that souls are the main and only thing God cares about. But salvation is really a matter of getting people back on track. Kind of like if you're driving down the road, you get a flat tire, you pull off on the side of the road, well, you once you fix your tire, you don't just sit there on the side of the road. You have to get back on and head towards your destination. But the value system of the evangelist is all about fixing the tires. It's getting people back in the game, joining the family, but without an apostolic value system that says we are to go, that we have a mission, we have an assignment, we have a great commission uh, to disciple whole nations holistically. Without that, We just sit on the side of the road. And so without having each lens and understanding each lens in the right order, so to speak, we were kind of stuck and we've
1: become ineffective at being able to properly disciple nations. Appreciate you talking about discipling nations. Could you expand a little more on that for our listeners?
2: Yeah. So Jesus says that uh, the kingdom is like yeast that works its way all through the dough. And it's interesting that sin actually works the same way. Sin um, has worked its way Not just into our soul But all the work of our hands Has been affected by it And so sin has literally perme- Permeated all of society You know, the science, art The stuff that comes out of Hollywood. Hollywood You know, filmmaking isn't bad But it's tainted And so we tend to throw out the baby With the bathwater And not see the value of it God wants to fill Not just all of the physical earth With his glory But every facet of society and so, the only way to uproot sin out of every place in society is to work the kingdom of God into it. So that's what it means to disciple nations. So we're not just talking about, you know, discipling an individual where you sit down, you would have a ham and a Bible, uh, and talk about Jesus and how to live like Christ. That's important and it must be done. But what must also be done. Is the discipling of nations holistically, where we're showing people how to operate businesses according to God's design in truth, in honor, integrity, in wisdom, just in honesty in our deals, uh, having having His value system for how we do it. It's making movies that don't just show somebody praying a prayer so that they get saved. It's making movies that reflect the values of the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of this world, and so. So each one of us is called to do this, and we have equippers in the church uh, who are called to do this, but mostly to equip the saints to go and do the work of the ministry. And we need to realize that the work of the ministry is not being an usher in church necessarily, or a grader, or a worship leader. A very small group of people are called to. Give themselves full-time to, you know, in-house church ministry. I'd say maybe 3%. Everybody else is called out into the world. That is the mission field. And so we just need to equip them to
0: go. Veronica Ortiz, Rivera's worst nightmare, came true November 16, 2010. When her doorbell rang at Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina, three men were standing outside, two U.S. Marines and one man wearing a U.S. Navy uniform. At first, she didn't know why they were there, but reality set in when one of them said, we need to speak with you regarding your husband. May we come inside? In this heartfelt story about grief, family, and appreciating our nation's heroes, she recalls hearing the devastating news that her husband, Javier Ortiz Rivera, had been killed in Afghanistan by an improvised explosive device and how she broke the news to her children. In this book, she celebrates the memory of her husband, their love, and how her family stuck together during the most difficult of times. Drawing on their faith, they continue to honor their hero through how they live their lives. Written by Veronica Ortiz, Rivera and Jared Lasky. You can purchase a paperback, hardcover, or ebook of Veronica's Hero online from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Lulu.com, or the Apple Store
1: with that, that we're to equip everybody to go. And I think that that's what the fivefold ministry is to do, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I think that uh, for too long, we've relied too much on the pastor, the teacher, but we're needing everybody to know that they can hear God's voice, they can do the work, and it's what they do. It's all an act of worship wherever they go, what they're doing. And to you, what are, what are the true signs of fivefold ministers uh, is there a difference between fivefold ministers and the rest of us I, I mean what is is there a calling yeah so Ephesians 4 which I come back to for almost everything uh,
2: because I could I'd say you can answer the top 20 to 30 questions about the fivefold by looking at Ephesians 4 11 through 16 and just constantly asking questions which I've done um there it says that Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called to equip the saints. And so that right there shows you a distinction between those who are saints and those who are saints that equip the saints. The difference is that, uh, the saints can all have a gift from God. We, I mean, we can, we have access to the gifts. We've got the Holy Spirit who has all the gifts inside of us if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they can have a gift, but the fivefold leaders are gifts. Now, this isn't like God's gift to the church. You know, this isn't supposed <laughs> to sound arrogant this is the point is that they have a grace on their life from i believe from the time that they're born uh, just like jeremiah talks about jeremiah chapter one uh, before i formed you in the womb i called you as a prophet to the nation so they have so they have a grace that has act it's their grace isn't what they have it's actually who they are and so apostles always think like apostles they see that they have an apostolic lens they can't help it teachers have an apostolic lens so so they, so they think according to the word, and I'm not saying they don't have to learn theology and don't make theological mistakes, but it affects how we see. So, so, so the fivefold leaders can't separate that gift on their life, that grace, from who they are, because it's literally affected everything. And I think the way to see them and recognize them is by the authority on their life. That's one of the ways, that they have authority not to boss people around, but to acquit that they're good at it, that it comes, you know, somewhat naturally, that it's who they are and that they're always doing it. And there are some people who are not fivefold leaders that are always trying to tell people what to do and how it should be, and they don't have the grace for it. And you can usually, over time, you can usually discern the difference between whether or not they have the grace for it or not. Uh, But the other thing is that because they are an equipper by calling and they can't separate themselves from this grace, they... They will spend their whole lives trying to equip the saints. They will give themselves, they'll, they'll invest tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in making themselves better and getting better equipped so that they can better equip the saints. And they will do it for free. They, I mean, look at what Paul did, how he went off and he became a tent maker so that he didn't even have to put the burden of the church, you know, giving him money um, and supporting him. He was just... He was just willing to lay everything down for this call to equip the saints for the works of service. And so I think those of the authority and the equipping and just the this unrelenting desire to give your, your very self, your whole life, Paul said, uh, for the sake of the gospel
1: is, uh, is, is some of the distinctive features of the fivefold. I'm in full agreement with you, and but for you specifically, how did you receive your call into the ministry that you currently have now within the fivefold? Well, I think for me, um, the Lord didn't really talk to me too much about that. I prayed and prayed
2: and prayed and I asked all the time, uh, Lord, you know, Lord, what am I? What should I do? What should I be? What, you know, how do I get trained? How do I do all these things? And in a lot of ways, I didn't have somebody there to mentor me, uh, into what God was calling me into. And one day I heard the Lord, and this was a number of years ago, maybe 20 years ago. One day the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't worry about what you are," he said. "Just do what I told, what I tell you to do, and you'll wind up being who you are. Oh, wow! And uh, and so, rather than focusing, because it's not about a title, it's not about that's... getting people to call you something specific. That's so right, that special recognition from somebody for your gift. It's not about putting it on your business card. It's really about just you want to know from the Lord, and that's understandable, and it's helpful to know so that you can you know, get properly equipped and mentored in it. But it really comes down to just being obedient. If you'll just be obedient to the Lord and do what he tells you to do, then you will find
1: yourself functioning in your calling long before you really understand it. And so I think that's key. That is key. And I really appreciate you saying that. How is it confirmed later? Because I know that we have these ceremonies, uh, licensing processes, ordinations for pastors. But I think uh-huh. that when it comes to the other offices, uh, whether it's an evangelist, we don't really ordain people to evangelism. And uh, my ministry, Fireborne Ministries, we can ordain people. I just ordain them into the office gifts. I don't give them a title or anything like that, but uh, just confirming the call of God on their lives. But how did you receive your confirmation? Was it through a bunch of elders, or was it through other ministers who didn't know you, and or people just identifying the grace? Would you mind sharing about that?
2: Sure, oh, sure. So um, I've actually been ordained two different times, and I'll explain that. I realized after my fir- by the end of my first year in Bible school back in the 90s, that's when I knew I was called to the ministry. And I said, I know I'm called to be a pastor, but not a normal pastor. And it was the only kind of framework I had for whatever God was leading me into, but I just kept pursuing it. I kept studying and reading and uh, devouring books and reading the Bible and you know getting uh, just constantly all the equipment I could get. And, um, and I would just do the things that God told me to do, like I was saying. After Bible school, I'd come back and the pastor of the church chose to ordain me. He felt like he saw the call in my life. And so, and it is important. And I would say this is the most important is that you want to have people who are recognizing the call in your life. And they're, they, you know, they're recognizing, they're publicly recognizing, it. They're, they're kind of endorsing you in a way. And so I got ordained you know, when I was very young. And uh, I didn't know anything about uh, what I was getting into in a way, just following the Lord. And that pastor, of course, uh, he retired maybe six months after ordaining me. And, you know, life went on and, you know, churches changed and different things. And then we, um, my wife and I and some friends, well, it was mostly my heart, but my wife and I knew we were supposed to start a church uh, called Remnant Ministries, which we started in 2007. And we got affiliated with um, with Morningstar Ministry. And Rick Joyner. And, uh, and so in order to do that, we wanted to be accountable to somebody. And so they you would have to go through an ordination process. And one of the things that they told us was that they said, we don't ordain people into the ministry. The way we view ordination is that we recognize the call of God on your life and that we see you doing what you say you're called to do. And we publicly acknowledge that.
1: That's so good. And so
2: that's how ordination is done. And I think that's more biblical because... You know, if you read Paul's letters, he says, Paul, called as an apostle by God, not by man. That's right. And so, you know, pastoring is not a job. It's not a job that you apply for. It's a calling you respond to. And uh, and, and I think that's true of all the fivefold evangelist pastors. But you need people in your life who understand this, and I and there are some churches that really get it, and then there are you know apostolic networks that are able to look at you and say, "Oh, you're an evangelist. I can see that," and they're willing to build that relationship with you. It's it needs to be a relational network, um, people who will come alongside you and help equip you and ordain you and walk you through it.
1: This podcast is called Adventures in God. So uh, as we're concluding, what is the most incredible adventure in God that you've ever been on? Well, I think
2: it probably would be the one that took place on my couch. So <laughs> so um, I was... Uh... We had heard bill johnson preach at a, at a conference and i'm showing the dvd to one of my family members and he's just talking he's just teaching on the dvd uh but the person i was sitting with had had their hand shot off 30 years prior and oh. reattached by the doctors and she had mobility uh but not full mobility no wrist or anything and while watching the dvd she i hear her say look look And we looked over to the right, and she's rotating her hand as if she had a wrist, but she didn't. Uh, And it was the first time she had been able to do that in 30 years. Wow! No prayers, nothing. We we're just watching a DVD. Wow! Uh, Bill Johnson teaching. Then I said, "That's incredible!" Like we we just were trying to get our heads wrapped around that. And I said, "You know what? What else can't you do?" And she couldn't move her fingers separately; they all moved as one. So we prayed, and 60 seconds later, she's moving her fingers individually yes. again for the first time in 30 years. Maybe two or three weeks later, after a church meeting, we're standing around with her, and I said. If um if you don't have a wrist, I said, Is your right arm shorter than your left arm? And she said, Yeah, it's always been short. I said, I never realized that and, and I said and and I said, Would you like us to pray and see if God will make it grow? I've heard of that happening. But I'd never tried anything like that. That's awesome. Before. And she said, sure. And she stuck her hands out, and you could clearly see the difference. And she closed her eyes, and I said, no, open your eyes, because if this happens, it's going to be really cool. <laughs> and, uh, and so we prayed. Um, we basically just said, right arm grow in Jesus' name. Mm. I think I said it twice, and it started to grow. And I was actually afraid it was going to keep growing, so I yelled <laughs> for it to stop, and it stopped, and now her, her arms are exactly the same length after 30 years. Wow. So three consecutive miracles that started with a DVD.
1: That's amazing. I mean... As you're sharing that story of the Holy Spirit, I'm I'm about to cry, man. That's amazing. It's um, incredible, yeah. <laughs> you know. And the couch is a supernatural place. I I don't know how many people I've seen baptized with the Holy Spirit on our couches over the years. It's amazing, Joseph. I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventures in God and sharing your adventure in God. But what is the best way that our listeners can stay in touch with your ministries?
2: Uh, right now, I think it's probably social media. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Dot, uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash remnant ministries. And, uh, and I have a
1: discipleship curriculum that you can find at gobook.world. Those are one really of the best places to follow us right now. That's awesome. So uh, you, you got some published resources, the go book, and then you're working mm-hmm. on this five-fold ministry book. Uh, would you share that real quick? Yeah,
2: so the Five Fold book, I'm I uh the goal is to get that finished this year and launch it in twenty twenty. And that's gonna highlight the distinctions between the Fivefold and why we need to understand them and get them in, in the right order of priority. That hierarchy value system. And uh, and then the other one is a foundations curriculum called the GoBook Foundations, and it's part of a whole GoBook series I'm doing. And uh, this is a curriculum that can turn any believer, even new believers, into disciple makers in just 12 weeks. It equips them with the three levels of learning, which is, you know, you acquire knowledge, like listening to the pastor and reading your Bible, and then you live it. It has practical steps. And then it launches people into beginning to fulfill the Great Commission in the last chapter. So you're actually teaching
1: somebody else. So yeah, and you can find that at gobook.world. I love that. Thank you so very much, Joseph. We appreciate you, man.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our conversation in Adventures in God. We hope that Adventures in God encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. Subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in God.